people's attention right out of the yeah. gate. So yeah. <laughs> we've done mid conversation, just right in the middle of something, just a couple things. Cause uh, yeah, we're still work. This is a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> really? We, we are a work 80... in progress. <laughs> so uh, Jeremy Vest said we had, uh, we've, 80 something videos to go, right? Yeah. He said we got to get to 100 before we're actually any good. And I'm like, well, yeah. then you have to have me again for a do over. <laughs> Heck yeah. You can come back when we're good at what we do. Yeah. Just kind of here right now. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> so, my name is Casey Watkins. I just want to welcome everybody um, with Sith Marketing. I have my wonderful and yet somewhat handsome co-host kevin that's the second time i'm wonderful wow oh, man i'm it. feeling like i'm feeling i'm i'm honored with the presence of casey what i got <laughs> i gotta write down words can't use wonderful no. <laughs> okay that's in my no. spreadsheet now and this is the amazing bonnie stefanik longtime friend pub connor marketer um you know she's uh yeah Take it away, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, so um, great to be here. Um, I'm Bonnie Stefanik. I um, currently work on platform strategy at uh, Group M uh, at Essence MediaCom. And my kind of background, I guess I would say that I'm collecting the, how do you, what's the Thanos glove? How's it called? The, his gauntlet where he collects the jewelry in it. I'm like, I do like basically like the that, but of marketing. So the gauntlet, I forget what it's called. It's like the gauntlet of, I don't know. I never I saw it. Um, I know I saw okay. it and I don't remember now. But anyways, yeah. analogy falls flat. But basically I've worked across um, <laughs> growth brand uh, product marketing and analytics. And um, so kind of really excited to share kind of thoughts and kind of connect with this great group. I have, Bonnie, you're like amazing in analytics, and then you um, really dove into uh, to audiences and getting deep into that. Um, but um, I, I guess, uh, hold on just a second. Um, so you've been talking about um, about like growth and performance and like changing the way we think about that. Yeah. So one of the interesting things with kind of coming from performance and then kind of working in brand marketing is you kind of start to see kind of like how like the, the the differences and disparities between the two and kind of like where they synergize and kind of now working within the space of kind of identity and audience kind of how that whole dynamic is shifting with uh the changing kind of landscape so the recent news that we've heard is that google's pushing back their cookie deprecation timeline to 2024 and we kind of know that marketers are all kind of um, trying to figure out what to do um, and kind of uh, building test and learn roadmaps um, and kind of setting up their infrastructure for like, what does the future look like? But what's interesting to me, just kind of across uh, brand performance and kind of that uh, underlying layer is how it exposes something in marketing that's almost been kind of broke because of the technology technology that's now going away. So kind of with cookies, um, I think any of us who were, have been doing analytics a long time, like web analytics, like going back to 
when we used to do analytics with like log analysis tools, if anybody remembers those, or and kind of the early days of like Urchin and then Google Analytics and so forth. The first party cookie is notoriously temperamental. Um, and it's, it's, um, it gets notoriously angry and kind of managing those, those tags and making sure even on your, your website that you administer your tags, having good data quality is hard. Now, amplify that in a third party context. That data um, has, it, at best is fuzzy and it has been fuzzy when we had it. So now kind of, um, However, that fuzzy data was what a lot of kind of brands were relying on to be able to try to understand this notion of um, attribution and this notion of like path analysis and all of that. And kind of with that is the assumption that you can kind of, that all marketing, it could be distilled down to kind of like performance marketing, right? That um, every interaction that somebody has can has like an a, a immediately quantifiable dollar to it. And kind of what it resulted in a what this resulted in my opinion in, in, in the way that you think of channel planning is that um, certain channels that were closer to that kind of point of purchase, they got richer and then all of the other channels <laughs> got poorer. So for example, um, well, Google, well Google, Google got rich. Um, <laughs> But um, <laughs> uh, so kind of so search, um, uh, paid search got an enormous amount of credit. Um, paid social, where you're transacting, where you're able to kind of transact people for certain types of products, get an um, enormous amount of uh, uh, of kind of credit. But then, kind of when you think about some of your old channel old cha channels that are um, your own channels rather, they're less reportable, like. Um, like SEO, like um, uh, kind of e even like some out of home stuff, um, like that stuff got less credit just inherently because you just couldn't report on it. And even things like podcasting, right? Like we're on a podcast now, like it's just tougher to report, right? So kind of when you're doing the kind of that old style um, attribution, it, it, it tends, its contribution is invisible. But we all know um, brand um, kind of brands exist and kind of, and I, and I think Apple's actually counterintuitively a great example of that. You know, why you can, out of all the laptops in the world, like why this one? And, and Apple has done a tremendous job of kind of building a brand. So we know that this is still a concept, but um, I think especially a lot of small business and mid-market brands kind of became really re reductionistic with the way they talk, talk about growth marketing. And kind of what I would say almost is that they conflated marketing with online sales. When you do sales, you have, you have leads, you have people. And then this is just kind of in, in generically speaking, you have people who know that they want a thing. They know that they need a thing and they're in, they're, they, you know, we would say that they're, they're in market, right? And performance marketing is all about, um, closing the people who are already in category or in market um, and kind of what tends to, so, and that's great. And you know what, and what do you want when someone's in category or in market, you want to close that deal as efficiently as possible and generate and then maximize the number of people um, purchasing. So effectiveness for the lowest amount of cost efficiency. 
but what happens um, when you are, what happens if you're in a competitive category where you can't afford, you can only afford, you know, N number of those people, right? Because it's uh, heavily competitive in the, in the performance channels where you're playing. Or what happens if you run out of demand, which I've seen happen, um, where I'm just like, we're spending so much, we're literally like spending for every click. You know, well, what do you do next? Like, how do you show kind of the next quarter or the next year the rev growth that you need? And that's where marketing comes in. Like, at some point, you need to generate new demand. Um, and I think that some of the thinking and in, 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 in kind of the, 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 and I don't want to call it a dogma, but in, in the thinking that we all, that I know I grew up with as a marketer, that drive to performance and that drive to growth, um, it is, I think, one side of the equation. And for a long time, and I think cookies were kind of part of this with the way that kind of we, we, we kind of, I don't want to say we're still doing measurements, you know, cookies are not gone yet, but with the old way of thinking about measurement, it's very skewed towards, towards like what we can see. And, and I think it's very natural. And I think it comes at the cost of kind of doing the basics of marketing well for a lot of brands, not all of them. Like obviously at the enterprise level, um, it, it's a little bit different, but especially for the small uh, business and mid market kind of, performance tends to eat um, all the budget and very, very little room to think in innovative ways about growing brand. And that's unfortunate because that's where growth, that's where like incremental growth happens. And the allure of the data and being able to go, I can, I can get everything and yeah. I can start analyzing every step along the path. But it's um, but then we wind up bottlenecking up to a certain point, right? Like uh, we we grow and grow, and, and all of a sudden it's like, uh, like why are our costs per lead? Like we should just be able to, you know, turn it up, you know, turn up our budget. What's the problem? It's like we we capped out, uh, and we need to we need yeah, to do more. What do you do? Like what? Like what do you do at that point? And um, and it requires kind of like a new. I I think that there's room to kind of do a new, uh, like to have a reset and to do. I think this is like a a marketplace opportunity to do like new thinking for brands of all sizes. Um, to kind of start thinking about like, well, you know, should we like even for brands that have like a tighter budget, like should should we make room um for a test and learn agenda? Because especially for small mid-market brands, it's very hard to get like a dedicated testing budget that they don't take away from you. Um, <laughs> and they're like, no, we need, you know, you have a conversation, everybody agrees. And then kind of you go back, it's like, no, we need no, we need more sales, we need more leads. There goes the, you know, there goes the test and learn budget. And then having a, having like, and then finding kind of like what works, um, what works for brand. And that obviously varies by category varies by you know um your channel mix by a million factors but like ha you know like making i think just creating i think this is like a great um uh opportunity to acknowledge the ambiguity um but also recognize that in the past proper credit wasn't given to to these other channels and and educate our um especially kind of small business and mid-market kind of type brands that um that the opportunity in exists within brand marketing and kind of cultivate that patience 
that like you, you're not going to get to see the numbers instantly because that's the other bad thing that analytics kind of trained us to do. I can know right away. Yes. And yeah. in fact, I've had, you know, um, I've worked with um, people in the past um, and kind of uh, where, you know, you literally have like real time dashboards to manage like your performance team where people are looking like, you know, at the dashboard, like you're, it's, as soon as you start your day, it's like the first thing that, that, that you open up. And it's not just like the performance marketing person, but the boss's 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 boss. Um, Everything's like, where's the numbers? Where's the numbers? <laughs> yeah. Right. But are we doing marketing? And that's the whole thing. Does that feel like you're doing marketing or does that feel like you're doing sales? Yeah. Look, yeah. Yeah. It feels like, I mean, it, it's yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well said. So, so the question kind of for you is kind of in the space of, well, for you guys, like in, in kind of the space of search, like since things are um, evolving, right? Um, are you seeing kind of like, I mean, with like the cookie-less world, I mean, Google's taking away, you know, more queries um, all the time. Like, are are your conversations with like your brands changing or shifting um, and kind of what new things are you trying with like the, the changing ecosystem? Um, well, GA4, <laughs> um, I, I, I think there it's, I've been talking about cookies for like the problems of cookies getting diminished for like years. And a lot of times if you're not in advertising where you're worried about the performance, um, I'm, my experience is that people look at you kind of side eye, like, what's the big deal? Like, um, yeah, and, and they're not observing the, uh, the, you know, that, that this could be having a negative effect. But I tell, you know, I tell anybody I'm talking to about, like, like, if you don't build a solid business foundation, like being able to close the leads that you get, uh, taking care of your SEO, um, it, if the SEO is working, my results get better on search. Um, I know that happens and I can feel it. If it's not there, um, if you're if you're not taking care of the SEO and taking care of the website, uh, my results suck. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, I can make up for, for it somewhat because, um, you know, using using Google's uh, Google's um, AI to help hone in on these kind of people and stuff. But um, it's uh, I think there's a lot of people who, who don't quite on it. It's. It's a it's it's a mixed conversation, I guess. Um, yeah. Most of mine is, I would say, making sure. I mean, the conversations aren't really changing that much. I deal with a lot of smaller end businesses. Most of the stuff I deal with, they're more of getting them to actually help participate in the marketing because as an agency, there's only so much I can do. I mean, I'm not out there every day up on a roof with them, so I can't really take photos of that type of stuff, but just getting them to take photos and send them to me so I could post them to social medias for them and actually make marketing, good marketing materials for online use is totally different beast. I think that's like a great call out just kind of the, um, is from like a, you know, like tactics and kind of brand stuff that kind of tends to get lost, like even kind of taking advantage, especially for, for like small and small and mid-sized like brands, like 
having like collecting like high value assets that can then be like leveraged and kind of like what are the opportunities with um, user generated content uh, with uh, conversations that they're already having. So like yeah. uh, going through kind of like uh, chat logs um, to like identify like happy customers and generating case studies and things like that. Like there's so many kind of great opportunities and, and kind of things like that, that enhance marketing kind of tends to get lost. If you're just, yeah. you're, you know, call me when you have like a number of sales and a number of, you know, I don't want to hear from you unless my sales are below end. So I think kind of that participator element is so important. And I think that's a, a great call out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a huge part. Uh, um, there's uh, there's some some um, owners wind up in the or people in you know running a business. Uh, they're like, okay, I've hired a marketing agency. They're going to take care of these things. I'm like, you have to have some kind of involvement in this process. Uh, checking out is um, and then coming back and go, well, I thought you guys were taking care of this. Um, I, you know, you know, you're in the day to day, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's got to have your, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to have to interact with your company, right? We're not going to have that voice um, and, and that same feel. We can try to get to know you as well. You know, that, that brand effect, you know, <clears throat> and it's got to display the people that you're going to be interacting with and the, and the way that they, I don't know, anyways, um, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I think that that's so important. Yeah. And, and having that, having that solid relationship and kind of really, you know, having kind of like that, that, like a good person to kind of connect to, to like be a champ, be like the, 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 the champion and kind of be the, be the, be like a good, um, good steward of, to like help make, help the agency win. I definitely think that that's such a huge, huge component, especially for like, if for smaller and emerging brands and kind of, what do you see like, is like the attitude with kind of in terms of like being able to kind of like test with these like smaller and, and you know, and, and, and like mid market, like because I, I know in the in the past, like um, in a in a former life, like testing was always a huge challenge to kind of get that testing bu budget to kind of really like you know, like to 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 figure out. Especially now we're in such an ambiguous landscape. I mean, you you brought up GA four, and one of the really exciting things for me in GA four is that. Um, they offer new like kind of like modeling options off of the universe of data in Google Analytics for audiences. So kind of you can take, you know, your, um, I don't know, whatever you can take, like, you know, my first party buyer who's also interested, who's a food lover and look alike off of it. Right. Um, can you do that? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, that, that feature. Can you do that with non-purchases? I know you can do that with the purchase event. Yeah, you can do it with anything. So like, let's say you have like an event trigger that's like a, you know, um, I oh, like um, branded tenders. Um, and that could mean anything like visited a product page or, um, you know, clicked um, a button or any class of buttons or what, whatever that, whatever, whatever purchase and tender means or brand and tenders. Um, you can kind of take that event trigger that fires within um, collected into an audience. And then what you can do is you can kind of take that and create overlaps with against Google's like syndicated taxonomy and then have that kind of like be the audience definition like together. Because that's one of the 
that's one of the things that are really interesting to me from the audience standpoint, then you can like look like off of that. So whatever that interesting interaction is, that it's a, I want people who are like more like this. Um, Google Analytics offers those features. And what's interesting, and this is why a testing budget is important, at least to me in, in this moment, because we're seeing so much, so much new stuff, um, is that you can then take that and test it against how does it do against audience expansion? Or in like a DV360 or like programmatic standpoint, how does this do against like uh, DV360 Coda? Um, and to see, you know, how, like, and um, what universe of data, you know, what modeling approach, even within Google's own ecosystem performs best. And you really need like, um, you know, like you know, having a test budget really makes that a lot easier. So kind of curious, like, with, with all of the changes, are you seeing kind of clients being more open to kind of having that dedicated kind of testing budget um, or like um, more open to kind of like testing in general to kind of like find what plays well? Um, personally, I, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of part of the problem. A lot of times we're teaching a customer. Um, this is, this is the, the, this is what you can expect. Right. Um, and I'll, I'm, if they get used to the performance part, um, now you're now you're kind of locked in. Um, if you get to a point and go, we're gonna have to start branding. We're gonna have to start expanding that. Um, okay, but but I'll give you a little bit. But I don't. But if we're getting, you know, for our numbers aren't looking, you know, great on the. But they're when they when they're saying that they're saying it from a performance perspective. They're not just saying their overall revenue. Okay. They're saying. Uh, you know, if our if our cost per lead starts going up, or our cost per sales starts going up, we're gonna have to pull back on that branding, right? And yeah. <laughs> so it's um, yeah, I do have difficulty if I've taught them, I've taught someone the wrong way, or if that's the way they've been taught to interact with the marketing world. Um, yeah, and it, and I think it's really challenging, right? Because what we should all be looking at is our revenue numbers, and even even and I think B two B is really guilty of this. Um, B2B became, and, and I'm not saying there's like, you know, incredible players um, in the B2B space, like that do marketing really well. I think Salesforce does marketing really well. I think Cloud, I think uh, CrowdStrike does, you know, marketing really well. But I can, you know, um, you, I can think of many players that kind of got um, that myopic view of like marketing qualified MQLs and, you know, um, and just like get, all we have to do is hit our forecasted number and our job is done. It's, you know, it's with like a sales guy. Right. But like, you know, how, when you when you're driving to that, like using the performance, you know, approach, that's all you care about. So whether that person is like intending to buy or whether they just like wanted the free white paper or whatever it was. Like doesn't matter to you. Your job, you see, your job is done because you've hit your numbers. So whether that person resulted results in like a close at all, or whether they were just like you know, um, wanting information, um, you know, your job is done, and and that's like problematic because we're not, we're like that. Then you kind of have that gap between your your MQLs and your SQLs, and kind of that's where I think some of the tension happens between marketing teams and kind of some sales teams because then you know um they're like why are you sending me all these crap leads yeah, yeah. but we're not in the business of and, and that's the whole thing like in in marketing like we're not we're in the business of you know 
why, like, you know, I, using Salesforce as an example, like, why, you know, what problem are you having that, you know, a solution to your problem, it may be, you know, like, you know, knowing that you have a problem, like you're doing everything in spreadsheets. And that could be an answer like for that, like a project management system or CRM or whatnot. But like helping consumers recognize that they have like a problem and introducing a concept of demand and then funneling them through. Like, and I think kind of especially in B2B, there, there was this obsession with just like driving MQLs and driving SQLs that everybody forgot about revenue. Yeah. I, I focus uh, very much on the quality aspect, but it becomes a challenge yeah. if you, because you can have it dialed in. Um, sorry, this is my guilt, you know, like of, of the performance perspective, right? Or you got it like, it's like, oh my God, it's humming and you know it. And then, but it's not going to stay that way, right? There's, it's going to fall off. And then, the, and then, because it's, especially now, there's very much uh, driven by conversions are, are, their own kind of targeting right so if you start getting like um i guess your data starts getting mixed up with you get some poor poor stuff that uh from the sales perspective coming in um but it triggers a conversion right now uh, now the sales are like hey these are these are bad leads but they've already been taught that they should expect these leads coming in and they're they're good right so and then they come back and go um it's not a sales problem this is clearly a marketing problem and and that's like this is it's a catch twenty two. Yeah, we've lost our ability to like in many ways, and you know, and, and it's it's been like a big relearning journey for me too. And kind of because I, I think like one day I was like, oh my gosh, like I do online sales, like because you know, like landing in you know, like when when kind of you take that shift away from performance based planning to reach based planning, like so for example, like you know, in performance based planning. We love like high frequency because we're trying to get you to close. Um, yeah. In reach based play, um, kind of planning, like we want like frequencies to be like much lower. So, you know, uh, because we're trying to reach new people, we're trying to just like let you know that, you know, we exist. Um, and that they, you know, that you let you know that you do have a problem. And then if you do know you have a problem, let you know that there's a, a, a realm of solution for you and, and kind of generate that demand. So the way it, it operates is totally different and the way you measure on it. Um, yeah. Like you're holding it to that same standard of like just a real time refreshing dashboard. It's just, you know, it really kind of hurts your ability to like, if you're like a year one to like year three company, um, and you're just kind of like, you know, like a startup, just you need to churn through people to kind of figure out what your product is, then, then it's fine for that. But then you've trained all those people to just like expect that. And it's like when that revenue tapers off, um, well, what, you know, well, what do you do? You need, you, you need to, you need a shift. You need to like shift an approach. And it's just like, it, it, and it's a tough thing for a performance marketer to be like, we're going to triple 3x 4x the amount of money we spend on creative that's number one um we are gonna you know we're in the realm of new metrics um you know and we're gonna have to start thinking about things like you know video completion rates we're gonna have to start thinking about like just you know a whole different um brand voice right and um running like a, a brand you know a brand lift studies like 
um, and just totally shifting the metrics that we think about. It's very, very uncomfortable. And that's why in a lot of like smaller kind of like growth startup um, environments, that kind of very early stage kind of um, marketing lead tends to kind of be switched out to like a different one that's more familiar with kind of that brand side. And there's kind of, um, there, there tends to be that shift because um, it just requires like in some ways opposite thinking. I think, you know, um, yeah, I think we're going to have to have, uh, it's going to be a very painful transition in a lot of ways because I mean, you're talk about the, like the giant company that it, like reach that everybody knows. Right. And then you take the small company. Um, it's very easy for a narrative to take hold looking at data. And, mm -hmm. and when you look at it, we can go, well, it happened for this reason. Oh, we think it happened for this reason. Maybe it was some seasonality. Maybe it was, oh, I started doing this. I could, oh, well, clearly I was, you know, well, you know, this had to have happened because I did this, right? There's not oftentimes enough data to actually come to a true conclusion. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's, that's where I say it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how to guide. Uh, I mean, have, there's a lot of people coming along into data science and stuff. And I'm like, thank goodness, because we're going to need more of those people. I think kind of um, it's really exciting with kind of like with the cookie world, especially is like some of the areas of innovation. I'm, I, for one, from an audience standpoint, I'm really excited for GA4 because it allow it, it kind of brings kind of um, DMP style capabilities, um, so data management platform, so where, where you can kind of take your first party data and at least like a little bit for like that small kind of medium sized advertiser to know a little bit more about your users outside your walls. So for example, for kind of like enterprise advertisers, you know, they'll kind of connect with lots of different third party um, data sources to kind of be able to kind of profile and understand their consumers and kind of like really like enrich their CRM data, but kind of for the small business um, advertiser, being able to enrich against kind of Google's um, syndicated taxonomy can tell you a lot more about kind of the persona of your users um, than kind of was um, available in the past. And that's something I think I'm really excited about just because it's, you know, not an incremental cost, right? Um, you just have to like i believe um i only um like you, you have to like enable google signals and like a couple more things and kind of you can start kind of learning like you know who is my consumer when they're not like doing roof repair or thinking about roof repair who who are they you know like you know what is their demographic what you know what is their kind of age right what is their kind of um, what are some of their interests? And I think it starts to kind of uh, create like an opportunity for like interesting hypotheses, even for small businesses. And if you do have that kind of engaged um, kind of person that you're working with as an agency, um, it, it creates a lot of opportunities for interesting conversations for like, you know, who it, like, you know, who is your customer as like people within the community? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is something that you were really, um, really good at is is being much more measured and testing on on numbers. When we're, you know, um, I know I've got I'm, when I'm used to having like 
sometimes smaller companies, uh, like, I mean, we might be dealing with just a couple thousand dollars, right? There's not much data to make a decision on. Um, and so sometimes it's easy to go, oh, okay, this looks right. Let me go this direction. Um, yeah. But being able to like look and, and find tools like GA4 uh, and resources that can pull in, look at collective data and, and assist, right? Um, that'll, that'll be invaluable. People who know those kind of tools, um, the kind of stuff you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's nice because it, it like GA4 democratizes it a little bit. And I think that that's really exciting. And also kind of like one thing I would say about operating with kind of small budget I think like even if you're like, you know, for some advert for some like, you know, small and micro advertisers, there's not going to be room for like a dedicated testing budget because, you know, yeah. you're only spending $1,000 a month, you know, where, you know, $25 testing budget right. <laughs> or a testing budget, you know, where, where it's going to take us, I like even doing one landing page test in a year, we'll know yeah. whether it works. But like, I think the opportunity there is maybe, and just kind of running by this is to kind of, when you're thinking about your media plan, like, can you kind of for areas of the week or the year where your traffic is low, where it's just, you know, you're just maintaining, because like typically you're running in like an always on context. It's just your budget. Like you're not running in flights where you're only running like ads, like in a couple times of the year, but maybe when you're in like the less busy time of the year, layering and testing at that time and then just like you you know that may be maybe a way with some of the micro advertisers to kind of layer in some hypotheses and set the expectation like hey you know there's like a lull at this time maybe it's an opportunity to you know try something new and then work with them to like you know present them with like a couple hypotheses and then maybe be like okay well of these four things you know would any of them interest you and do you feel like they would be a, a strong performer for the business and just, you know, give them a recommendation and see where it takes you. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I, so the, some of the challenges that go in with a really small you know, micro advertiser, I like that term, yeah. uh, is that um, especially if there's, if there's a seasonality to it, um, like uh, if it's a uh, heating and uh, heating and cooling HVAC, right? Um, August in Texas, um, you don't have to try, you're going to make money. <laughs> Um, yeah. and so there, and, and the landing page that you know, like you really need to like work on, um, it can give you false results on like in August, right? Cause you're like, Oh my God, it's explosive. And then you take it through other times. How do you get someone to like, uh, like maintenance people don't want to do maintenance on like, ah, it's fine. I heard a little rattle. Yeah. It'll cost some, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. You know, two years yeah. later, um, that person, you know, the, the, so the off season is when you're having just the occasional work coming in. It's kind of slowing down, but that landing page is not going to be the same motivator, right? I don't know. Right. Um, not trying to throw a, throw a wrench into it, but. Uh, yeah, well, I think that there's an interesting hypothesis in there. So like kind of what, what, what I'm kind of hearing in that example is that kind of in your in your in kind of an HVAC on season like that is kind of like the money time you just need to make sure you're moving everything's working perfectly and on all cylinders right with your on season messaging and in your off season that's a brand problem right how do we convince in a communication problem and this is where, where I talk about there's a brand opportunities like how can we convince people in the off season you know that this is something that they should do and 
it's going to be like 50 times more expensive or whatever if they wait. And is there a story that you can tell some of your off-season customers that you can get more efficiently because the clicks are cheaper um, that you can reach with maybe like higher funnel, you know, maybe, maybe there's like home repair enthusiasts. I don't know. Like maybe there's like, you know, cautious, you know, cautious, you know, homeowners or like, you know, new homeowners where they just got their house, but they're really, so they're really, you don't want to get something new and it hasn't gotten its first scratch yet. You're extra protective, you know, like are, are there, you know, some hypotheses you can test in that time to kind of create that incremental growth and create that demand and does, you know, and if there's an appetite for it. So what I'm hearing in a scenario like that is that in your on season, you just have to, you know, get the basics right. But in your off season, that's like the space to create the the pent up demand that you can then like, I don't know if you guys watch Dragon Ball Z, like Kamehameha in the on season. Uh, There was a couple episodes might've, I know, I know the show. I just um, I'm a nerd. I'm sorry. This is my second like nerd. this is my second nerd baby. Somebody that watches this later. <laughs> oh, well, oh. Well, appreciate my humor. I'm oh, my not a Dragon Ball Z. I'm Pokemon. <laughs> oh, okay. um, oh, wait. I don't. I don't know anything about Pokemon. <laughs> nerd cred law. Um, Pikachu. But yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's what I would say. Like, is is there like a space in there to like to like before the season starts to start like building awareness? Like summer's coming. I think that's a brilliant <laughs> you know point. Maybe there's some DIYers. I think you know we've seen in the last few years uh, a change where people are 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 seeking answers to different things. Like, I mean, I'll I'll say take one for example. Like um, in Texas here, we we've had uh, a heat wave and uh, and a freeze in which we had brownouts uh, and blackouts in different areas, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now we've got a, we've got energy bills that are going up. Now there's a time where people are thinking, hey, I might need to do something about this. What's my solution? Um, and mm-hmm. so tapping into that and like, you know, giving them ideas on how they can do things uh, and opening up their mind, because I think it's become painfully aware, you know, we've all, I think most people have realized that maintenance is much cheaper than, than acting in crisis. Um, But we've all just kind of let the sleeping dog lie and then paid for it in the end. And I think now is the time people are are more likely to go, it's gotta be a better way to do things. And maybe this is, you know, yeah. Yeah, And I I think that's it. It's kind of the business owner, the marketing director, whoever, like they want to show that, incremental revenue growth in the summer season you're paying for everybody that's it and google's taking probably their hefty toll too um because it's prime time so what you need to do is bank that demand you know or like have a hypothesis like can we maybe bank the demand and then kind of show the incremental growth later like maybe start a season early and do like a holiday build or in the off season can we incentivize is there is there a creative hypothesis right um is there an audience test there for like certain types of people that may have like a propensity to you know do this type of maintenance or whatever that you can kind of test in the off season to kind of like increase because again it should be about revenue it shouldn't be about cost like you know cost per lead it shouldn't be like it should be at the end of the day like how many like 
you know, for the quarter, for the year, whatever, you know, whenever they kind of, whatever, like, are they posting the more revenue? And, you know, like, cause it, it like their business is like not going to grow if like their only tactic is like, we pay the toll to Google every summer. <laughs> oh, but they, the, ex, but they're able to net back is amazing during those times too. Yeah. Um, because it's like Christmas. I mean, if I'm if I'm a startup selling a, a toy people have never heard of, um, if I'm hitting it at Christmas time, oh my God, I, I, I could fall down drunk out of bed every day and make money. Uh, try that in January, it's gonna fall flat on my face, and it's not gonna work. Um, right. And, and well, yeah, of course. Like you want to be smart about it, but kind of there, like at least you know, you know, with your HVAC example. It sounds to me like that maybe like an opportunity with like toys and stuff like that. Like that's a whole. Well, I mean, a, the the, the uh, I guess I'm just going with the uh, people's uh, someone's AC breaks. Uh, I mean, you've got Christmas. You've got to get something for the kids, right? Uh, my AC breaks in the Texas summer. There's no choice, but you're paying for it. Um, and, yeah. and someone shows up at your house. It's a thousand dollars right out of our pocket. Um, yeah. Right. And so that, that's when they're like, oh, yeah, I'm glad to pay for that. But trying to coax that out when they're not making so much money. Yeah, I think those are that's a, I like the uh, the DIY kind of thing um, you're talking about. This is the um, one thing I've been uh, I've started recommending to people that this is not an advertising. You can do it for ads, but like short form videos like TikTok, uh, shorts mm -hmm. on YouTube, um, reels on Facebook. Um, and because I think people are absorbing content, uh, and we can see like uh, people are just absorbing lots and lots of content about things that are outside their worldview. We think of what we do as boring, but I don't think everyone th agrees with that. I mean, just watching someone do things like being a fly on the wall for things, people are doing things. Sewage, there are people who would. Uh, I don't want to say eat that up, um, <laughs> uh, the uh, but we would absorb that content, right? Just filming it, like you know, having a GoPro or you know, breaking out their phone. Like these are very short form, and then just asking, "Hey, did you know?" I mean, how many, how many like like experts are like, oh, "I didn't know anything about this," and suddenly I'm like, "Huh, rabbit hole," <laughs> um, and yeah, getting people to like, you realize this is all you have to do on this, and that's um, not so, you know. Like, yeah, getting people thinking about it, I guess. That ties in really well with what Casey was saying earlier, like having like the client really be like a partner um, in the process. I think especially for like, you know, when you talk about social channels and like, you know, boosting on TikTok, um, um, kind of boosting kind of within those platforms, like especially for service-based businesses, it could be really powerful to kind of have some of that kind of POV type content like oh you know here i am you know repairing another hvac that somebody waited two years to you know fix if they only waited if they only did it sooner um so i think kind of having the like especially for small service-based businesses i yeah. think that that could be an interesting thing to test and you know low cost creative too oh yeah like this is what that rattle was Sh opening yeah. it up and showing someone like then we'd suddenly go oh my god it's not visible to us. It's just like, it's not really a problem until it is. Uh, uh, yeah. Man, I've got some, dang. I've been, how long have we been doing this, Casey? And suddenly feel like I'm doing 
completely yeah. missing <laughs> the boat on all right <laughs> um mind is suddenly blown like the off season is the opportunity oh god um i just <laughs> sometimes it's not like you know if you're trying to like you know sell you know um i don't know christmas decorations in january well you know well, after January 7th, because for Easter, but like trying to sell Christmas de decorations in late January, um, you know, <laughs> that may not be the time to do testing either. Obviously, like right. you know, all, you know, <laughs> all things with like a good thing of cautious, but like, I think that there's like opportunities to kind of drive that like market penetration and in, in, in interesting ways if um, kind of, because like those, like instead of just kind of, doing the online sales and kind of challenging us to kind of almost in some ways go back and kind of like, you know, not be so beholden to metrics that are not like revenue, like, and like actual dollars in the bank and really thinking about that whole funnel and that whole process. Um, and then kind of, and then thinking about like, you know, like where are those penetration opportunities if we just kind of expand our consciousness a little bit to like, you know, trying new things. And, I, and, and like I said, like, I think, you know, um, the old, the old kind of school thing was, you know, doing SEO, right? Like never getting the credit for it. But we knew, we knew that it worked. And even when I was in search, like, I would see a halo effect. I'm like, well, you know, I'm only doing like, three, four different channels for this little site, you know, yeah. it must be it. I just don't see it because it's invisible. And I think that kind of there's a lot of room, even within kind of paid channels to to do more kind of uh, creative stuff. And I think it kind of takes us out of the mode because a lot of the stuff is just becoming so automated. Like, you know, I punch in, you know, I'm, I'm like Google, like, you know, Google's really encouraging us all to at least to use like their automated Kind of like bidding solutions well it's like well um you're taking away the keywords and kind of so the space of kind of creativity is how can we how can we use those tools kind of together in an integrated way between channels and then how can we offer kind of creative experience where we're not just like transacting people anymore because it's just it, you know it's it, it's getting expensive and well actually it's been expensive it's, it's been expensive and but like you know they're like and that you know i think that that's kind of like the path to kind of growing penetration right and even in, even in like it, it the way it plays out is going to be different by category but i don't know i i think that there's a, a lot of room to be creative and and i think it's something that even kind of business owners and kind of marketing directors can get excited by because it's not just like well did we make our numbers yes no you know I, I think uh, I think you've got a lot some great points there. Um, this is the uh, I think there's a point that business owners are, are looking and going, how much do I have to pay for this? Uh, and you know, and to get that, just to, okay, I know, and, and the conversation for me oftentimes is, well, once we've gotten enough con conversion data, we can get that cost for conversion down. Well, that's slowly like <laughs> uh, smoke and mirrors soon. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the kind of fundamental thing is like at the end of the day, what they're at, I think kind of shift, like I think kind of there needs to be a shift in conversation to what really matters is like revenue. And, you know, and for a long time in many ways, and I think we forget this, like Google 
um, democratized advertising, right? Because before, before kind of um, Google, there was like, I, I don't know if you guys remember like the, the funny, like personal injury TV ads and the funny, um, oh gosh, like the, the auto salesman ads. <laughs> they were doing some crazy thing on these like, like local, Oh, like yeah. um like local tv ads i think were like my favorite ads they were always the most like you know the low production quality and just kind of like really zany like you know buy crazy larry's cars <laughs> they would send someone out to to location and you just had to agree to spend x amount and then um yeah yeah, and I, I, I think kind of like, you know, that's kind of like the old and like the crazy radio ads and, and things like that. Like, I think that kind of there's like, and kind of like all of that kind of has like taken a, is gone for the most part. Although I get crazy Spotify ads now, which I'm always interested in. Um, but like, I think a lot, so much of the shift has happened to this, like, we, we kind of got locked into this thing that we forgot about that other stuff because like people were doing you know, people knew about Crazy Larry's auto dealership before Google, you know, so I think kind of having that um, a little bit more of like a more multifaceted media plan could be a big opportunity to kind of like relearn some of that for more kind of like diverse types of businesses, you know, because like now video in many ways has gotten democratized, like there's YouTube. And if you're buying programmatically, um, you can, you know, you can buy like, CTD and you know you can buy um, you know you can even buy digital out of home so there's a I'm, which is more relevant for like more urban locations but um, like I think kind of there's room to kind of think in a more expanded way even for for smaller mid-sized businesses for like what's available to us in terms of just ad formats and to reach people digitally and I love I love the dynamic that shifts when you go to video we spend like on a let's say on a search ad spend most of our time most of our energy trying to get that click mm -hmm. but with video it's a it's a passive act video advertising you have to choose not to watch the ad um yes. and which is why we can get it for for pennies on the dollar literally um you know i'm penny is not unrealistic you know three cents to getting someone to watch 30 seconds um, and we're talking, we could have tens of thousands for just a few hundred bucks. Well, um, what's really powerful there, what I love about like video formats is they kind of, they really hold attention, right? Like with display, um, you know, they may or may not be seeing the ad, right? But yeah. with, um, and then, you know, you could use it for like bumpers and whatever, but like for um, video, it's, it's, um, you're, you know, depending on, you know, what you see for viewability and whatnot there, you really get like a unit for of attention. So I love that for being able to kind of like let people know like, hey, my solution, it exists. Hey, yeah. this problem that you have that you don't know is a problem is a problem. <laughs> and, there's a, and there's a solution. It's me. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Tell me the la Tell me a search ad that you, off the top of your head that you remember. No, because it, it's very you know um, like it, it it it's I already know that like if I'm asking the question, I know what I want. And kind right. of with video, what's really really exciting about it is 
you can kind of implant the idea so the person can know what question to even ask, right? To kind of like take them to the next step for those like lower funnel, more intent focused channels, you know? Yeah, and I mean, YouTube's such a big money maker for, for um, you know, Google these days, like even in comparison kind of to traditional core search. Um, and, and, you know, it, it shouldn't be kind of surprising because it, as an advertising medium, it's really powerful for, um, you know, be, you know, being able to kind of capture a user's attention and still having the like granular kind of like targeting features that kind of we're used to as marketers to be able to like um, reach kind of like smaller sets of people and accessible to the small advertiser. Yeah. Um, so that, that, can you connect YouTube into GA4? What do you mean? Like, I guess you were talking about being able to build audiences off of signals, right? Um, it, can you connect your can you connect your YouTube to a GA4 account? Is that do they have a, so a, a link? If you're, so if what you're saying, like, can you kind of so what you can do with kind of GA4 is that like for all of the accounts that you have like linked in, like you can send the audiences to your Google Ads account, and then kind of I think from there. I think from Google Ads, you can advertise on YouTube. Um, I usually go by way of BB360, but I think through Google Ads, you can do it as well, if memory serves. Um, oh, yeah. So you, already, you, you should already have the audiences kind of like in there, and then you'll see like a matching audience size for, um, for YouTube. Now, kind of like where it gets kind of a little bit fuzzy is like, you know, what identifier type are you using? Is it like an email-based audience? Is it like a Google Analytics-based audience or whatever? So um, if it's like, if it's off of like a Google Analytics tag, you should be fine. Um, but you know, you wanna like mind your match rate, right? Like, you know, do you have like a sufficient audience size to, you know, to like maintain your pacing? Or do you need to look alike it and kind of like to, to basically be able to scale it enough to meet your pacing requirements so you're spending enough? So, um, but yeah, you can definitely like, so using like the H back thing that we were talking about earlier. So for like, if you have, um, you know, um, you know, um, home, like, you know, I don't know, like new homeowners, right. Um, where they yeah. have the budget to fix things up in their home that may not, you know, that may be old or whatever. Um, or new first-time homeowners, right? If they have it, I don't know. Um, I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on Google's syndicated taxonomy. It has its limits. It only has so many things. But like, you know, if you found like a family of signals that map with your first party data and like a first-time homeowner, you know, sending that out, seeing the sizing and look-aliking it, right? So who looks like people who bought from you in your area, so on and so forth. But you can also in YouTube, just like use the syndicated audiences without using your first party data at all and see like, and then the, what you could the test you can run there is on like one ad group and another ad group, run it with just third party audience and one where you're seeding it with the first party audience and you know, which one does better. Like does, oh, okay, just compare against those two. Yeah, does, yeah. The visit, does the visitation make a difference and just like run it through like, you know, through something that looks like some version of sort of statistical significance. <laughs> So um, I guess that's a good, um, the, does the visit, uh, does the, 
did you say the does the visitor visitation make a difference? Is that the um, is that the way that you phrase that? Oh well, yeah, just the website visitors. Like basically, right. you collect. You're just like kind of collecting them through um, through Google Analytics. I think that there's like what like like I said, what I love about kind of um, you know the changing ecosystem, even though it, it is disruptive. I think that there's a lot of good um that comes out of it because it's kind of challenging us to really you know think differently um about kind of things that we've been doing for for such a long time and kind of like advance like really kind of um expanding our aperture for like business of all sizes and then it's and also like new bright shiny tools which i i love and and i really love um you know i love working with like modeling and and, and things like that and and I, Kevin, I know you're like the the expert at kind of like working with like Google's like bidding solutions and things like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love I love those tools. Um, yeah. The I want to hear about some tools you're like the bright and shinies, but um, you've said recently um, we're, we're talking about the um, about these how much the site whether a person actually visits your site and how much that actually makes a difference on whether they they're likely to be a buyer uh, or, or a customer. Um, I, I think you were, you cast that into a, into doubt and in maybe um, like how much is the, uh, does the clicking to the website? Does that, is that really a good signal? Um, so it depends on kind of your business, right? And it depends on your industry. If you are kind of in a, like, let's say like a lead gen type of business, let's say you have a, you, I don't know, do HVAC, right? Um, or you do, um, let's, what's another one? That's like, a, like really high. Plumbing and electricians. Or electrician yeah. or um, auto rental. Oh, that's the one that's like, has like viciously high CPCs, right? If you <laughs> land on my site, I am deeply, deeply excited um, about um, you landing on my site. So chances are that most of my content has something to do about you know renting cars um or hvac or like some even if it's or, or home improvement or in some ancillary way so um you know like i think kind of there's many different ways you can test it and this is where you can kind of play with those ga4 tools to see kind of you know if you know you and if the, the client invested like in home repair you know um I don't know, 10 things that every new first time homeowner should know. And that is getting visitation. That person may not be in market, but they are in category, right? Because to want to fix your HVAC system, you need to own a home. Because um, <laughs> if you're a renter, and it's kind of interesting, if you're a renter, that almost means it should be a suppression group. Right. You know, because like, it's kind of out of all the people in your little area, like if you're renting, you're not like, um, you're, you don't care about your HVAC. So you, you should almost, which is also another testing opportunity, should you be in a suppression group, right? Or can you look at your total website visitations and do an overlap on who's a homeowner and then who's like just, you know, you know, who's a renter <laughs> right because <laughs> right, they probably don't they may not have that much influence over their landlord anyways yeah and like you know like like you know interesting ways to kind of like play with kind of like the tools and 
I'm not, I forget if like Google, if Google offers these specific ones from these examples, but just bear with me. So oh, I yeah. um, for other types of businesses, it may be kind of like less um, relevant. Um, like, so for example, like um, if you're just getting a visit to your homepage and you're just like um, an e-commerce site, the equation totally changes because in an e-commerce scenario, that may be an unhappy camper. And if you hit them with that ad, you know, and they have a, you know, they've had an unhappy product experience, you know, and you're like remarketing them, that's going to be a problem, yeah. right? Like, so kind of like properly like manages. So like, you know, there is such a thing as too broad, like, you know, just because like, you know, if you have like a really tight website where it's just like a lead gen machine and it's not like a traditional website experience. And you know what I'm talking about. We land on the homepage and there's like an immediate, like give us money form or give us your information so you can then give us money form. That's a sign that they, that may be good for an audience group. But if there's like a lot of options for things you can do on a homepage, I would be reticent to kind of like add that person to like a audience because I don't really know if they are an unhappy camper or not. In, in like a retail kind of type context. Yeah, they just could be like, just, yeah, not everything. Yeah, and, and like also like even, and, and also I don't like button clicks. So um, because like button behavior, like when you, and I'm sure you guys know this, like, you know, just like, just because you clicked doesn't mean you intended to click and you may have clicked back. So I, and speaking of kind of cookie-less solutions, um, I love like server-side um, GTM for clients that, you know, for clients and advertisers that they can kind of implement it because it allows to kind of have a lot more of like a reliable trigger when somebody kind of did an action where that's not just like click thing and then click back, right? Like was something to the cart added and like not removed. Oh you man, know. I went down the I went down the GTM server route uh, for a little bit, and I was trying to trying to work on that. This is probably uh, it was like late twenty one, and uh, so maybe I, I'm, I know it's evolved more, but it was uh, it was painful, <laughs> um, and um, it yeah. it was uh, it, it felt incomplete at the time. But it was probably like they had to have advanced, and then I had to like start paying for like the cloud stuff on my own card and stuff just so I could test and I was like I can't just roll this out to everyone think, right now <laughs> I think you bring up a great point that there's like an entry point right and like I think advertisers themselves have like a, a point of maturity yeah. right for like the different tools you know like you're not going to have you know a little client spending a thousand bucks a month can't have like the enterprise stack like <laughs> you know and you know in the and what comes you know and as you kind of increment on that like maturity layer, like, you know, what is the appropriate like uh, marketing operations and ad operations maturity that you should have for kind of, you know, what you're doing. And, and I, I think you hit on a great point. You're spending a thousand dollars a month. Why should you spend on GCP or like to, yeah. to be able to host that information if your budget is, yeah. is, is so small yeah. and kind of what can you do you know, within the confines of, you know, being smaller versus kind of being a giant, you know, enterprise operation. And I think that that's like an art form and how do you get, and I'm curious like to hear from you guys, like how do you get like clients to like increment to that next step? And 
to like, you know, like now we've mastered marketing basic and like, what are like kind of like the wins that you guys see to get them to like intermediate and so on? Like, um, yeah, Casey. Yeah. Oh, I was going to go with Kevin. <laughs> so. Um, um, the, uh, most of the time it's, uh, it's, um, at least getting their buy-in that I can do it. Um, which is a challenge. That's not because that's, I'm not a developer. Um, I can do a little bit on a website, um, but that's a. I mean, I'm not sophisticated in, in Google Tag Manager. Um, trying to get their uh, buy-in, and this and this has happened with like clients of various sizes. It's not all just uh, small ones. Uh, many times, it's I'm describing a problem that they don't know exists, and it sounds like it's for me. Like okay, but I'm already like dedicating resources for you and what you need. And now you're saying you're going to need more. And, and I don't understand the problem you're trying to describe. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize the, the website security problems that exist right now. And, and everyone is, is being attacked with like um, identity theft. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I think it's going to take some of those. I think it's going to take having um, examples where people suddenly realize it's not just them that is running into the problem. Everybody is having that problem. Yeah. And then there will be a, a rush. Um, it'll be small at first. That's my, my, my thought. Uh, it's not a direct, I don't know if this is answering your question much. Um, but the, like the, that's one of those things I've been like, Hey, attribution, I, I'm, this is a problem. Like I'm seeing the sales. What's the problem, Kevin? Right. It's not, it's, not the same conversation it's my concern um and i'm i'm looking at it from you know up close and they're like i don't see the big deal um so a lot of times um like i can get people to buy into hey let's do call tracking um till and, and you know record calls what do i need that for you know yeah. i'm 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 sometimes i'm the one answering the phone most of the time anyways um but i need this data <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, no, that's interesting. So, kind of what I'm hearing is that, like, even you know, that the reg the the, the regulatory changes are probably going to like drive some of the kind of things, some of the evolution, and make the kind of base cost of doing marketing at all higher. That's kind of what I'm what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah I, I think it absolutely will. Um, but I I think. Um, you take it, um, yeah, it, it's absolutely going to, uh, but I think, I mean, cause I've, I, uh, both my uh, son-in-law and my uh, or good friend down in uh, Houston, um, both in cybersecurity, they said the solar winds hack. Oh man, like run down in Houston. He was like, dude, <laughs> the solar winds hack heads rolled. Like that was a, like IT security was a cost center before. Yeah. Now like fortune 500, they have been throwing money at buttoning this up. Um, but the smaller companies haven't gotten, they don't realize the threat that's, you know, that they, they could happen. They could have their bank accounts. They could have people getting into, I mean, what happens if someone gets in and locks you out of your email? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing. I think the cost, I think, you know, in, in some ways it sounds like we're exiting a golden age of just, incredibly low cost to start up and run an online business and kind of it, it, you know it sounds like the cost of you know and this is common with like i think maturing industries is like 
you know, as, you know, the industry matures, kind of smaller players have to kind of, you know, be able to like maintain kind of like a higher, you know, regulatory burden and cost of operating. Like, I mean, even now kind of maintaining cookie compliance and things like that, like um, with like, I think five states now have their own kind of um, cookie list, like, you know, regulations. Um, so, and I, if you're just like in one market, if you're like a not, you know, if you're a local player, not in one of those five states, why do you care? You don't, you don't care. I, I think, I, I don't think Texas is one of the ones yet. Uh, but Utah is, uh, I think. Um, but I, like, I, I think it's kind of interesting because those, you know, how, you know, how do you kind of prepare people for something that they're not, you know, that they're not sure if it's like coming. Well, if you're Utah, you're right next to California. You already, your people are already being impacted. It's a much easier sell to the population. Yeah. Here in Texas, eh, we, there's a very, um, it's, I'd say it's a bipartisan libertarian kind of sentiment of just leave me alone. Right. Yeah. Um, what, why do I need to do these things? Um, it's going to take yeah. people going, we have to do something for, to, to before we see a change here. It's kind of interesting, you know, what is the right story to kind of like get, um, you know, get, you know, get owners and kind of marketing directors kind of like engaged on some of these matters and to be preemptive. And even kind of at the like enterprise level, you know, I, I think even Google themselves has been really slow to develop the solutions, which is why I think they moved back the cookie timeline twice now um, that like I, I'm recalling offhand. So I, I think kind of we're all, you know, in me in some ways maybe it's you know, you know, wise to kind of like take a wait and see approach and, you know, like when you know like, because it's like sometimes when you're too too much on like the ble bleeding edge, then you spend spend spend, and then you know it like especially you know because right now there's so many different solutions. Um, you spend, 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 and what if it turns into the long, wrong one? Then you end up being like a flash developer, having to like totally retool your whole identity. There's an ugly story. <laughs> uh, that's painful. <laughs> Were you yeah. a developer, Casey? <laughs> I towards the end of the flash wave. No way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it painful? It was yeah. I I didn't even like flash when it was in its heyday, and I'm like, because I still had not that I've always been a marketer, but even from I was a server admin, and just using flash was like you can't see anything that's there from a coding perspective or anything. It's just. It's worse than a video. At least a video has sound and movement, and there's code behind it that's showing it there. But with Flash, there's just nothing. There was nothing. And it was, yeah. So, yeah. Was that the last thing you did before you got it? Like, I, I need to hear this origin story. So, was that the like last thing you did, and then you were you made the move into like doing marketing? Yeah. So I was a server admin for five years well network support and worked my way up to server admin and then 08 i was asked to help host some sites and then we moved from hosting to well 
I mean, I know coding enough to where I can make sites. So I started making sites and yeah, then we just, once you start making sites, well, now people want them to rank. So it just was a rabbit hole that I just kept falling further <laughs> deeper into. And now I'd, I, I was told by a buddy that does serve admin that I could probably come back and pick it up after about a month because not a whole lot's changed, but I don't want to go relearn it all. <laughs> yeah. This you know, is, this is way too much more fun. <laughs> so There's so many, in, well, oh, there's so many like different like people in this industry. Like I think I'm always surprised. I like, I don't think I've ever asked someone like, so, you know, how did you get into like marketing? How did you get into media? And I'm just like, not surprised. Like I've, I'm always like people always, especially the longer they've been in, it's always this weird roundabout kind of like strange story. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I didn't, I, I don't, you know, as an advertiser, I don't think any kid grows up going, I want to be an advertiser when I grow up. No, it's just <laughs> that I think the narrative is pretty much, God, I hate these ads. <laughs> I wish they'd go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, long enough as a hero to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm owning that role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now my my entire everything that I've like, I mean, basically, the longer you're in something, you're rewiring your brain to be this, and that's heavily been about targeting and can performance and now i'm needing to go my brain's reeling going where's where where do i sidestep you know oh yeah mm -hmm. uh, as you're pointing out oh yeah all those other marketing skills have been developing they've kind of been sometimes ancillary <laughs> really need to yeah. be kind of more forefront <laughs> a couple wrap-up questions casey yep all right all right so what do people often get wrong about what you do Oh, better question is what did they get right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think kind of what people get wrong about when you're on more on the technology side of marketing is um, kind of that need for synergy um, and how kind of just because you're on kind of like the more technology kind of part of the business, um, the, the kind of it's easy to forget that having that synergy and kind of working as one team is really important um, and creativity comes from a lot of different areas because you have a lot of like i said like marketing has become so fragmented and there's so many different type of people to like i call getting like at least like an enterprise campaign like getting a 747 off the ground um there's a lot of different characters involved and i think kind of the we need to be kind of collaborative now more than ever. And I think that need for collaboration and kind of really like, you know, um, kind of getting all of those unique perspectives is really something that I think is like such a key to success now. And is very, it sounds light and fluffy, but I think it's something that's really underestimated. Sweet. Good answer. All right. So what is something on your bucket list that you still need to check off? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, um, 
I'm supposed to be getting married like in 2023. So that's the album. I'm going to put that down as my bucket list item. So <laughs> good. See, I like that. I like that answer because my follow-up question, you can't, you can't say that. What is one thing you have not gotten to in your life that if you do not get to, will be a massive regret. Oh no. Okay. Oh, well, Oh man, I should have should have waited to give my. <laughs> um, okay, so okay, let me pick another one. So massive regret if I don't do it. Um, oh wait, I'm stumped. Well, I've been doing so much talk. Like we've took you all night to. Stump. It's a total change of direction, right? Uh-huh. Um, wait, I think. I don't know. Like I don't know. Wait, hold on. I, I that totally came out of left field. Uh, uh-huh. I think one thing that I would feel real, you know, I I've got one. So I've always wanted to kind of take a road trip from Greece and kind of like drive like the entire kind of um, Adriatic coast, like through the Balkans, and kind of like go into Italy. Um, wow! So- Amazing. Like, I think, like, I, I want to do, I'm probably going to be, like, you know, 90 years old in, like, a smart car or whatever, like, that's self-driving to do this. So, because it's, it's a it's a big drive, but I would love to do kind of just, yeah, like, that bet, like, go through the, by the water, through the mountains and all of that, like, and, you know, get to practice my Italian, which is horrific. Um, <laughs> just, like, upset <laughs> the locals with my horrible <laughs> Italian. Just be just another American, just horrifying them with my bad language skills um, you're wearing a headset that auto translates for you it won't matter yeah yeah well you know but that's you know it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's part of the charm is how bad it is um <laughs> it's a feature not a flaw right <laughs> yeah you know it's you know i work in marketing my oh, my okay. job to kind of create the story around it um yeah so that would be my answer okay then we'll follow that one up with could live anywhere where would you live oh well so i would like split my time between um new york and the balkans dude yeah and, and that sounds like what you've been doing right i well yeah i will you know well not anymore i'm back i'm fully fully uh, back in new york oh. so you got <laughs> a little homesickness yeah, you know, like what you know, what can you do? But you know, like at least kind of like the office here has killer views. So you know, if I, yeah. <laughs> if I like, it could be worse. Yeah. Okay. So, what is your favorite book? It could be just any book. It could be a marketing book. Just. Um. So I think my favorite. Oh, you're really like stumping me tonight um let's see my favorite book so my favorite book in general so it's a bit i like i like i'm a reader so this is like a tough one i think kind of a good kind of like recent ish read like was i revisited dune uh because the movie, I, I read it like a million years ago and kind of it's really crazy when you read something when you're like 14 and then many 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 years later because then you have the perspective for what you thought when you were 14 and that you go into this like wormhole 
where you're like totally a different person and then you read it again and it's been really interesting going on that journey reading that book and then my favorite marketing book was actually a recommendation for uh, someone i used to work with um the hardest thing about hard things i don't know if it's like a marketing it's more of like a general business book but it covers marketing and also okay. peter thiel's book i hate recommending anything by you know peter thiel's a controversial character but his book <laughs> zero to one is also i like i found it to be an enjoyable read okay he's thought provoking he no, but his his book's good. You know, like you know, I, I can separate you know the content from you know crushing Gawker. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question: How do you want to be remembered? Um, I want to be remembered as being like nice and helpful, and yeah. Oh. And okay, and pretty good at marketing. <laughs> good answer. Awesome. Or like, or or rather, kind of the converse. I don't want to be remembered as having been bad at marketing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't want like yeah. you know the lower person at the funeral be like when they see like the obit obits or however they're like whoa. Oh, oh god. <laughs> I don't want to be that person. Yeah, man, he drove my business to the ground with his marketing skills. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Well, you know, like let us let me hope to like not be re yeah. remembered as being yeah. bad, and hopefully being remembered as like you know, like we see the little money, we got some leads, we got some sales. Things <laughs> were kind. Yeah, it's, it's. I will take. Uh, I will take not being that guy. Over being oh, yeah. like, oh wow! I'm like, I just don't want to be that. You know, uh, being memorable. No, there's some like I I forget. There's like, oh my gosh! I was watching like a mini like documentary about like historically terrible ads that like crashed businesses, and you know, as like a professional working in the field, like you know, that's that's like the type of thing that's like haunting. Like I'm just like, oh my gosh! Like, you know. Like, what yeah. do you even do? Like, I, I'll, I'll have to, like, in the resources, I'll have to, like, find and share it. Like, I saw that and I was like, oh, yeah. what a hope. That I love watching <laughs> really bad, like, old commercials that I'm like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forget the one. It was something like a, a Buick one or something or a Lincoln one. Like, it was some kind of car company and they did one commercial that like kind of crashed their business. Ooh. Like they were like already like an aging brand and they didn't misunderstood their kind of position. Oh, I have to find yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Bonnie. Loved it. Um, and um, yeah, this has uh, been another uh, uh, marketing chat with uh, with Casey and Kevin. Do I have that right order? Sure. Okay. Sure. That sounds that good with me. All Whatever. Right. <laughs> 